This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the podcast where we try to have you move forward in your career and your life. My name is Carl Valeri, and today I have a really special guest who's overcome both physical and financial challenges in her life. She's the author of Defiant, A Broken Body is Not a Broken Person. Janine Shepard, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Carl. This is awesome to have you here because, you know, we do a lot of career coaching and people are always asking questions about, you know, starting over in life and having difficulties in their finances and uh, in their life in general. Well, you know, after they hear your story, uh, I think it, they will really be inspired. So this is so wonderful to have you on. Um, obviously, uh, you're not actually uh, originally from the United States, even though you're speaking from the U.S. Uh, you come from, hail from Australia, a wonderful I and happy place. Too, you can probably tell from my accent, although <laughs> I am uh, now living in the, the United States in, well, sort of in the middle of nowhere. I'm in a little cabin in the middle of Wyoming, actually, at the base of the Teton Mountains. It's beautiful. Uh, absolutely gorgeous spot. I love Wyoming. It's so wonderful there. Well, your journey to Wyoming actually uh, was a long one and, and somewhat difficult one, but you came, overcame mm-hmm. so many different challenges. And, you know, in aviation, there are so many challenges that you must overcome. It's a very physical activity. It's also a very mental activity. But you know, when you were younger, you actually were very involved in physical sports. So tell us a little bit about uh, your start in life and uh, and your challenges that you overcame that were absolutely incredible. Sure. Uh, I'd love to. Well, that's right. I mean, I had been an athlete all my life. I can't remember a time when I wasn't. I started probably at the age of six or seven with... Uh, an organization we have called Little Athletics. I'm not sure if you have that here in the States. So I started with track and field and, you know, had a lot of uh, national titles to my name and um, did all sorts of sports, team sports as well, uh, played uh, a couple of sports that you're probably unfamiliar with called netball and netball. softball and yeah I think it's a play you know mainly play, played in commonwealth countries but I guess you know I got into long distance running triathlons etc and then I found myself um, in in the sport of cross-country skiing which sort of suited me perfectly because I was built for it you know I had a, a great uh, background of endurance um, so you know, to find myself as a member of the Australian ski team um, was just, I felt like, you know, everything I'd done all my life was leading to this particular sport. And my goal was to represent my country at the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary. And I have to say, oh. most people probably don't recognize that Australia actually has snow. <laughs> you know, honestly, <laughs> I didn't either. What do you either. mean, a skier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, we do. We have, um, actually, we've got some medalists. We've got, uh, now we had, back in my day, we didn't then, and I wanted to be the first, but we do. We have great kidni- uh, conditions for cross-country skiing and also uh, moguls and slope-style skiing as well. Well, that's quite interesting. Uh, and to actually practice, uh, you actually went throughout the world, didn't you? You didn't just stay in Australia. You've been all over doing some practice runs. Yeah, I did. And actually, I was 
before the 88 uh, Winter Olympics, I had was had a really good relationship with the Canadian ski team. So Marty Hall, the coach um, of their team, had actually invited me to join up with their team in preparation for the Olympics, which was just an incredible compliment for me because, you know, the Canadian team are, you know, one of the best teams in the world. So um, I was on top of the world. I thought, great, I'm going to go and do something that no Aussie's ever done before and show the world that we, you know, that we can ski and be the best in the world. You know, it's interesting. We talk about skiing in the Olympics, and uh, we're going to get to this in the story. But, you know, people probably listening right now are saying, wow, you know, this person really hasn't seen the challenges I've seen. I mean, I'm starving. I'm just starting out in a career. But there's a reason why on uh, you were picked this week, actually, or last week, as the Architect of Change of the Week on Maria Shriver. We'll have that link uh, also in the show notes. But that's because during this whole process of uh, you're being involved in sports and bicycling and and everything there there was quite a change that happened in your life and it was dramatic it was indeed <laughs> you know so i mean i was a tomboy and as i said an athlete you know let me tell you that flying so it's interesting i'm on a fly <laughs> an aviation podcast because that was the last thing you know, that was on my <laughs> mind you know i'd never wanted to fly in my life never thought about it my whole life revolved around sport you know, I wanted to be an exercise physiologist. You know, I was at university my last year at the time as I was in the lead up to the Olympics and everything revolved around sport for me. And um, then, of course, that fateful day when I was on a training bike ride uh, with my teammates and I guess you'd like to know what happened. <laughs> yes, it's uh, on, on that training ride, something happened that uh, changed your life and uh, I, you know, it, it's sometimes hard for me to uh, to listen to this, but uh, I'd like our, you know, those those of you that are listening and have been through some incredible challenges, uh, just just listen first. I know it's going to be tough to hear this, but but I want you to know that that uh, Janine was able to move forward, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and the and the challenges and how she was able to move forward. So, Janine, continue that story and and uh, and the tragic results. Well, I was, as I said, just absolutely focused on, on the Olympics and my dream to the exclusion of everything else in my life. And I set out on a bike ride on a warm autumn day with my teammates, uh, most of them skiers and some cyclists, and we were riding from Sydney to the Blue Mountains, which is west of Sydney. It was around about a six-hour bike ride, and it was a tough ride up through the hills, uh, through the beautiful landscape of the Blue Mountains. So... About five and a half hours into the ride, you know, we, we approached my favorite part of the ride, actually, one of the steepest hills towards the end of the ride. And I just remember getting up off the seat of my bike, you know, looking up and seeing the sun shining in my face. And that was my last memory. So I had been hit by a speeding tr uh, truck and oh suffered gosh. extensive and life-threatening injuries. Mm. And this this hat this put you in the hospital for a while, and uh, you you know you kind of downplayed a little bit, but it was quite the challenge uh, afterwards. And uh, as a matter of fact, you were almost given up for for dead, weren't you? Oh, even at the scene, I mean, I actually had what I call a death experience, not a near death. I mean, I left my body, uh, and I spent ten days drifting between two dimensions looking down and thinking well I'm not going back to that body because it's broken it can't serve me anymore and realizing that um, 
you know, my life as an athlete would be over if I did go back. I recently went to Australia and actually met the paramedic that was first on the scene of the accident. And, you know, he just said to me that he, he, nobody thought I was going to survive, not at the scene of the accident, the helicopter, uh, the, sorry, ambulance drive to the hospital. They wait, they, the doctor that was there said, no, we're just going to leave her here because she's not going to make it. So we'll sort of let her die peacefully. But then um, another doctor came, overrode that decision. They called the helicopter. They medevaced um, some blood up. I'd lost five litres of blood, which is all my body would hold. They flew me by the uh, Westpac rescue helicopter down to a large spinal unit in Sydney. And by the time the helicopter arrived at the hospital, my blood pressure was 40 over nothing. So, you know, I had extensive and life-threatening injuries on top of you know, a broken neck and back in six places, five broken ribs, broken arm, broken collarbone, broken bones in my feet. My body was just ripped open. My head was cut open, you know, internal bleeding. I think that was a thing. I mean, the broken bones were one thing, but the massive blood loss was what was going to kill me and the doctors just couldn't couldn't manage to stop it. So they told my parents, you know, just prepare for the worst. There's nothing else we can do. Well, obviously things worked out for the best, but uh, there's a little piece in there. We won't give out too much in the book, but it's it's very much laid out in the book as far as your challenge. But but what I want to know is this, and a lot of people here listening are and have written to me saying, gosh, I'm not so sure I can do this. It's a challenge getting into mm-hmm. aviation as a career or flying as a hobby. You overcame a near life or you know death experience here, and you actually at some point during this, did you have any doubts? And uh, if so, how were you able to get over those doubts? Maybe you thought about mm. giving up. Oh my gosh, Carl! So many times, you know. I mean, I you know I think I'm a naturally a pretty positive person, but you know when you're lying paralyzed in a spinal ward. Um, how can you not have doubts, you know? And there were times when, you know, one particular time in hospital when I just thought, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I had to lie flat on my back for almost six months. I had major spine, uh, spinal surgery. You know, I was paralyzed from the waist down and they were telling me that my life, you know, as I knew it was over and, you know, something would always happen that would just pick me up. For example, at one point when I was, the doctors were really concerned about my uh, mental health, I think, in hospital. And they decided to move me from one ward to another and they moved me next to a girl called Maria who was uh, similar to my age. She'd been in a very bad accident and she was a total quadriplegic. So she could only move her head. And, you know, things like that um, were enough to sort of um, give me a sense of grace and gratitude for my life because how could I feel sorry for myself when all I had to do was look in the bed next to me and think, you know, it could have been so much worse. So... You know, that got me through hospital and, of course, I got home and fell into more despair when I realised that, um, you know, even though I left hospital thinking, no, the doctors aren't right, I'm going to get my life back and I'm going to the Olympics, of course, it wasn't going to happen. And, you know, I realised that no matter how much I wanted to move my body and my legs, I couldn't and I was a paraplegic and I didn't know what the future held for me. I, you know, there were times when I certainly wanted to give up and, you know, I had, I couldn't walk. I was covered in a plaster body cast attached to a catheter bottle. And I think, you know, there came a point, a real low when I got home where I realized that you know, despite that, 
and, and, you know, being about as low as I could possibly be, I had this unwavering trust in life. I had an unwavering belief that I had come back to my body, so there had to be a reason, and I needed to find out what that was. Well, one of the things that I think is important in all of our lives is to discover why. You know, why are we here mm. and what, what our purpose is in life? What's interesting, what you just said, is that you had to discover that. You know, you know, there was something in front of you. Uh, you don't always know, do you, why you're here, but there is there is a reason for moving forward. And, and by your doing that, you've touched so many lives. And you probably never realized you would. No, that that's right. And it's been a, a real blessing for me because... You know, through my speaking and my books, of course, I've I realize that you know it's taken me out of my story into a bigger you know human story, that you know that we're all in this together and that everyone has a challenge. And you know, often I mean, one of the most important things is to recognize that we're not alone on our journey. As we struggle, we often feel like we're the only ones going through it, but but we're not. And you know, for me, getting home and and I mean, it was very isolating, and I'd. Um, you know, lost that sense of hope, and and you know, I'm, I'm, hope is is a is something that I'm really fascinated in because we often think of it as wishful thinking, where if, in fact, if we look at research, scientific research from um, a man called C. R. Snyder from the University of Kansas, he talks about hope as a cognitive skill. And, you know, he says it's made up of goals, pathways and agencies, which is, you know, particularly when you, you've suffered a real setback of some sort um, and, and life is, you know, completely changed, you know, you need to be able to get back and, and find new goals, set new goals and new direction in life. And that's what I needed to do, although at that stage I didn't know what that was going to be. A lot of people listening right now are looking at that. They're saying to themselves that, you know, I'm redefining myself. I'm, I, I don't know exactly where I'm going. I don't know what direction, et cetera. And there's, there's a lot of fear. But as, you know, the listeners of this show know that there's a lot of other people out there and, and that are in the same boat as you. And it's just neat to just reach out and talk mm -hmm. to those folks like yourself. And that's one of the things that's good about your book is that it, it makes you realize that, you know, I'm not alone here. You know, here's somebody else who's been through something much tougher than I ever have with a physical challenge and has been able to overcome that. Um, but well, it's interesting you say physical challenge because, I mean, I look back now and, you know, I say my, my recovery was, you know, 10% physical and 90% mental. You know, it took enormous mental strength to, um, you know, to face the challenges, the physical challenges that I had. And... Um, yeah, so it was much more than just a physical challenge. Having hope is really, really important. Uh, I know that if you're listening right now and you're at that point where, oh my gosh, my, my money's run out, uh, you know, I, I can't pay for that next lesson, or I really want to continue on with my training, but I can't. Well, don't say that word. You can. You just have to figure out how. And I think Janine is one that's a great example of that. Janine? Well, yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, you know, as I said, they, you know, hope is made up of, you know, goals, pathways and agencies. And uh, for me, it was, um, you know, being able to to redirect my life and, and find, um, 
you know, a new direction, which for me was flying, and that was a remarkable story in itself. But you, to get to that point, you know, firstly, you have to, you know, I say you have to get to this point of acceptance. And we often think of acceptance as resignation, whereas I say acceptance is actually saying, you know, okay, this this is my reality. You know, I knew I couldn't change the fact that I'd been run over by a speeding driver, and here I was in a wheelchair. And, and you know, and, and there were a lot of emotions with that, you know, a lot of anger, a lot of, you know, anger towards the driver that hit me, um, confusion, why I came back to my body. But I got to the point where I realized that if I did want to move forward in my life, I had to get to this point of acceptance, which is, okay, this has happened. I can't change the past, but I'm responsible for what happens from here on. And acceptance is a really powerful place to be. And when you get to that point of acceptance, um, then you also need to, you, you sort of then organically move to this point where you, you know, you sort of let go and let go of the way you think your life is supposed to be. And and that's also a really powerful place to be because when you get to that point, suddenly you begin to see the world with new eyes and you see new possibilities. That is very important to let go. You never know what's going to happen next in your life, like in your case. I mean, it, it just mm. changed dramatically. No, exactly. And you've got to be, you know, and, and it's hard, it's so tough because, you know, we like to be in control. We, um, you know, we don't like to feel pain. And, you know, any change is sort of preceded by uh, fear and uncertainty and really uncomfortable emotions. But that's how we grow. You know, that's how we learn. That's what life is actually about. Well, you actually did. Now, now back up here. You said you uh, came, overcame this through goals. You are a quadriplegic, and how did goals make you overcome being a quadriplegic? Pa- paraplegic. Paraplegic. So, excuse me. Yeah, just so just my legs and my hands were, okay. weren't affected. So just yeah, para meaning two limbs. So you know, I didn't know. I mean. Gosh, and, and he, you know, I was someone who really had defined myself by my body. I thought that's, you know, who I was. That was my strength and that was the way I moved through the world. Once I decided that, you know, I needed to find a new direction, I needed to, um, as much as I wanted to give up, I thought I can't give up yet. You know, I need to find out why I came back to this body. And it was, you know, once I got to that point that, you know, it was almost like I had this clean canvas, this clean slate now, and I could I could do anything. You know, I, I was no longer an athlete training for the Olympics, but wow, you know, it was I got to the point where I said, Okay, now what? And it was there sitting outside in my wheelchair and my my plaster body cast, <laughs> you know, that an aeroplane flew over and I you know, I just remember, you know, looking up and thinking, Okay, well, I can't walk, so maybe I can fly. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember, you know, my mum was like, okay, that's nice. Would you like another cup of tea? <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous and crazy and, every, you know, I think nobody took me seriously. And, of course, I rang up the nearest flying school and I had no idea. I mean, I didn't, I'd never even seen a light aeroplane, never wanted to fly in my life, and I did not know where this came from. I think it really was divinely inspired and weeks later in my plaster body cast, my mum and my friend drove me out to Bankstown Airport in Sydney and I remember the, you know, they carried me in and I remember the flying instructors, you know, sort of looked at me and thought, um, <laughs> hello? <laughs> and they thought I was kidding and no, they thought, oh, well, this is nice. She's going for a little scenic flight and they lifted me into the aircraft and 
of course I couldn't move my legs but you know I could use my hands and the instructor let me fly the airplane we took off over the training area at Bankstown airport and oh I can tell you it was it was the most it was just the most magical experience there are you know from lying paralyzed in a spinal ward to being airborne and flying an aircraft was I was filled with so much joy that I thought I'm going to do this I'm going to learn to fly well, flying, I guess, out of your body at one point, and now you're flying above the earth physically, uh, was definitely a huge change in your life. And like you said, it was inspired by yourself and maybe divinely inspired. But, uh, you know, who would have imagined you being able to fly? A lot of people are, are talking right now to themselves in their head saying, you know, I, I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. <laughs> and uh, and she, she had that same, you know, Janine, you had that same uh, fear and also thoughts in your head and, and doubts, and you were able to overcome that. Now, you, we you went to the airport now in this cast, so so at some point you were able to actually fly the airplane yourself. On that first flight, or eventually, in, just in general, you were able to move forward. Yeah, I, you know, so at first I could only use my hands, and you know I I knew okay I'm not going to pass a medical now, and um, but it just suddenly I had this new goal. I had no idea where it was going to lead. First, it was just, I just want to go up again. I want to go up again in an airplane. That's all I wanted to do. And it was enough to inspire me and motivate me to get out of bed every morning um, and, you know, to, to throw myself into this physical therapy, which at first was just mum used to help me lie on the ground and I could really only lift my legs about an inch. But that was okay. I, I, I bought some flying books, basic aeronautical knowledge and weird, you know, things that I'd never learnt before or read before and I threw myself into that and most of the day I, I spent, you know, sleeping. I would wake up and I would read these books and I'd do my exercises and, you know, eventually as I became more well, uh, mum would drive me out to the airport and I'd go for another flight, you know, with the instructor and just use my hands and um, I'd just push forward like that. And, you know, I, I know that everybody at the flying school stared at me when I eventually did start walking, um, you know, with my plaster body cast and someone holding me up. And I guess they looked at me and thought I was, you know, she's, she's not going to be able to do this. And gosh, it was it was tough. It was tough just you know, putting literally one foot in front of the other and being at the school, being stared at. People used to stare at me all the time, the way I walked and the way I looked. But I, it was just the, the most magical experience. It was it might, became my life. And by becoming your life, you really are involved in aviation now, both as an aerobatic pilot. As a matter of fact, not many of us can say this, but uh, <laughs> you've actually flown with Sean Tucker. I have. Oh my gosh, that was what an honor that was. That was incredible. So, yeah, I mean, fast forward, I, I did. I got my private pilot's license. I, I learned to navigate. I, and mind you, at this stage, I had no idea how far I was going to go with my flying. I, it was just it, just take it a day at a time. And I, I flew around Australia, took some friends, and got my unrestricted private pilot's license and then I remember the guy at the flying school said you know if you get your commercial license and your instructor rating I'll give you a job and I, I was just dumbfounded like me a flying instructor <laughs> so I I did I I went for another medical then I passed that and I became a commercial pilot um and uh uh 
instructor. I went on and got my twin engine rating, which is hard because remember I don't have very much leg strength. So I got my twin engine rating and eventually I got my aerobatic rating and then I um, found myself at that airport, Bankstown Airport, uh, working at Sydney Aerobatics School as an aerobatics flying instructor. So you actually were able to overcome certain physical challenges during that point. And you have to read the book to, to hear about that whole story. Uh, again, that's defiant. A broken body is not a broken person. This is a, a terrific uh, narrative that I, I wish everybody would hear this story. But, you know, I, I, I think that is something that is incredible, that you overcame that struggle of, you know, we all go to the airport and we want to fly an airplane. Mm-hmm. And we're looked at across the fence as, you know, oh, you're not part of the club. You showed up. You're in a cat body cast, and and people are looking at you thinking, "Gosh, this person, there's no way this person's going to fly." But now you're part of that club. Yeah, and, yeah and- I know it's a wonderful fraternity, <laughs> I have to say. But I certainly stood out like a sore thumb. <laughs> you sure did, I guess. But but you know, the other thing too is is a lot of us don't we we do we in many of our situations in life, whether it's flying or not, we we don't feel welcome. Uh, maybe it's because of our perceptions. Uh, maybe it's because of those persons outside of us that have perceptions about us you know they might think of us oh you're you're too old you're too young you're too disabled uh you're a female you can't do this you know you're you're of a different race you can't do this but those are their perceptions don't let them actually become internal perceptions by you and you know janine you're one that didn't allow that to happen i really commend you for that Oh, thank you. Well, Carl, I call it my pilot, you know, pilot light. If people do uh, end up, I gave a TED talk a few years ago called A Broken Body Isn't a Broken Person. And, you know, I I refer to that, uh, you know, as, you know, that we all have something inside of us. I call it uh, our pilot light. It can be the defiant human spirit. But, you know, when we really follow... um, you know, our own passions and purpose and and not listen to what other people say we can or we can't do. We feed that flame. And, you know, that's what I was doing. I was out at that flying school and I was so filled with joy and purpose when I was flying that nothing could stop me. Well, let's talk a little bit about flying. What are, what are you flying now? What are you, what are you doing now? Well, actually, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get back into my little Robin aircraft. That's my favorite. Uh, because my uh, feet, are not very strong. It's it's difficult for me to fly to fly a tail dragger, and of course in the states everyone flies tail draggers. Which <laughs> so I need to get a I need to get a robin over here. So I was teaching in the uh, Robin twenty one sixty, which is an aerobatic uh, trainer. They're not very. There's not many of mm. them over here in the states, but um, they're a wonderful little uh, two seater aerobatic training aircraft. So uh, that's what I'm hoping to. To get back into, uh, I actually live very close to an airport here, and my partner is actually a gliding and a, he's an FAA examiner and a pilot as well. So we fly a Husky over the Tetons, oh, which wow. is beautiful. He's also a gliding instructor, so I'm really hoping to perhaps get my gliding uh, certification, which would be a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I've, you know, for the past. Well, I, I guess, you know, we sort of skipped forward with the story. They, the doctors told me I wouldn't have children, and I ended up getting married and having three children. And that wow. really um, – see, when someone says you can't do something, you just you just got to be more determined and go ahead and prove them wrong. That's how I think. <laughs> so when I had children, 
um, you know, I really had to put my flying on the on the back burner for a while. So now that they're all older and at university, I feel that it's time to sort of reignite that flame and, and get back in the cockpit and upside down. <laughs> upside down is the best way to be. It's a, a great view of the world, that's for sure, isn't it? But Yeah, but I hope you're not doing it in your aircraft. Uh, no, not the big one. Not the big one I fly. No, <laughs> no that's for sure. The the little ones, yes, but not the big ones. That's for sure. Yeah. So I, I don't want to be getting the wrong impression. I don't do that in an Airbus, so, you know, more no, so. That's right. Yeah, yeah. In a Stearman, yes, but not an Airbus, so please. Oh, you fly Stearman? Oh, <laughs> well, my friend wonderful. takes me up, and, and I don't actually get to, to fly it alone yet, but I'm so excited. It's like one of my favorite airplanes. It's like a Harley Davidson uh, in the air, that's for sure. Uh, but. You know, we did skip over part of your story. I did kind of did that on purpose because I want people to realize you you've been uh, through so much and you've accomplished so many things that many people that haven't had your challenges think they can't do. But you have you got you've been married. You've had children. Uh, some people have had uh, financial problems. I don't, you know, I'm sure you've had a few, and uh, and they've been able to overcome those. And uh, I think this is an, an incredibly important story. I think at one point in your life you found yourself. Uh, Maybe uh, not in the place you wanted to be again, but this wasn't physical; it was more a financial one, wasn't it? Oh, look, I've been—you know—I've been through so many challenges. I have this philosophy, you know, that I tell people when when I was an athlete that you know I learned to love the hills, and and that 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 philosophy, which um, you know, supported me as an athlete and made I made me physically strong. It also made me mentally tough, and I also learned that. You know the hills don't stop coming. You know you get over one, it's not like that's it. <laughs> that's my hill. It's no, they they just keep coming. And of course, you know my marriage broke down. My husband, who was an airline pilot, actually, um, got very sick, and our marriage became untenable. And then I, you know, started the long journey. Ten years of being a single mum to three children and a single mum with a disability. So I mean that was that was tough and a very challenging time of my life. And from that, of course, trying to work and support my kids, I then went through more um, hardship, financial hardship. I ended up losing my house, actually, and um, and that was devastating for me. And starting all over again, I think my life has just been about, um, you know, just reinventing myself and starting all over again. And I think that's, you know, all of the – I mean, I look at everything that happens and I think, okay, there's purpose behind everything and, and what can I learn from this? And, um, you know, I've done it before. I've reinvented my life before and I'll just do it again. So you mentioned disability. Do you – and this is kind of a personal question, but do you, do you really think you have a disability? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, the political correctness of not being able to say that word, I mean, it's just a word for me. Mm-hmm. But yes, I have, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I guess a partial paraplegic or I say walking paraplegic. So I have a lot of injuries. I mean, people find that extraordinary that, for example, I have no feeling in my legs. You know, they, how do you fly an aircraft? Well, I don't know. I just figured it out. <laughs> so I've, I've learned that, um, you know, there's sort of a way around everything and I've learned to compensate for um, the limitations of my body. Uh, and the way I fly an aircraft. And um, so, yeah, it's just a word for me. It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, because I, I think one of the things that's amazing about you is I, I'm, it's hard to even conceptualize that you have the, a disability because you've done so much. Uh, you've overcome this disability, though, is, is the point I'm trying to get to. And there's so many of us that have something in our life. Uh, some, it could be something small. Uh, there's people out there that, that can't see colors. And uh, mm-hmm. they can still fly. There's people that can't yeah. hear, and they can fly. There's people that have no use of their legs, and they can fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't realize that. It's No matter what that disability or what the level is, 
we can do almost everything. I mean, there's limits on everything, but almost everything we want to do, we can fulfill those dreams, can't we? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, it's about not giving up. It's realizing that, you know, we're, this is a, we're here for a very short time. Um, I think having the experience that I've had of leaving my body and knowing that I made a choice to come back to my body, I mean, I realize that this is just such an incredible gift, you know, and that any day, you know, we can lose the, we can lose, you know, the ability for breath. Our life can be taken from, from us. So we need to recognize that every moment counts. You know, this is a gift. And there's always changes, and we always have different paths we must go down. And uh, sometimes we go down the correct path, sometimes we don't, but uh, you just keep moving forward. I love your analogy of overcoming those hills. They always keep coming, don't they? Oh, they always do. And I, I, and I say to people, you know, the magic happens on the other side of the hill, you know, and the other side of fear. I mean, you've got to face those things. Someone said to me once um, a couple of years ago when I'd moved, you know, packed up and moved across the world, and I, I, it's funny, my kids, my, they're all at university now, teenagers and young adults, and they always say, our mum ran away from home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and someone said, well, it's okay for you to do it because, you know, you don't feel fear. And I said, oh, no, I feel fear. It's just that I don't let it stop me. Fear is good. I mean, it, it, no, you know you're alive. It's just like pain is both good and bad. It's bad when we're experiencing it, but you realize you're alive when it's happening. Um, but, mm. you know, there's many different types of, of pain. There's there's physical and emotional pains, and there's a lot of people going through that. But um, I think overcoming those challenges, no matter what your, your challenge in life is, if it's physical, if it's mental, if you have a, a disability like you have, you can you can define yourself uh, within in the realm of your life, and don't let other people define you. That's the other thing, too, that I take away from you, Janine, is that just through everything I've read and seen, uh, it's pretty amazing that you did not let other people decide what you are going to be and what you are going to do in life. And I think that's quite important, especially when I hear people at the airport saying, oh, you know, you can't do that. You can't fly an airplane. Well, don't let them tell you that, right? Oh, no, that's right. I mean, I've been told so many times, you'll never be able to do this. You'll never walk again. You'll never, you know, have a be able to do the things you did before and I said okay well I'm going to do something different I'm going to do something extraordinary you know if I can't walk I'll fly so you know I mean that's to me what that's why I call this book defiant I mean the defiant human spirit is is saying I'm not going to let other people set my limitations you know it's being true to yourself and honest with yourself and saying you know I'm going to defy the things that hold me back from being all that I can be and you truly have become somebody who is uh, a change master, you know, and, and been able to redefine yourself. Uh, there was a, an article I think you wrote uh, on Maria Shriver's blog uh, about being that uh, an architecture of change. Um, tell us a little bit about that, uh, that article, without giving it all away. Well, you know, it's an interesting article. They they asked me to write something on a broken body isn't a broken person. And I, I submitted that. And of course, you know, two days later, I, I, I got an email back and turned on my computer just on Sunday and found out that, um, you know, I had this great honor of being named the architect of change for this week by uh, com. So, I mean, it's, I'm just I'm just thrilled and honored by that and humbled by that. And, um, you know, so the article is really, to, you know, to introduce my story uh, to America because um, even though it's a lot of people in Australia know my story, it's it's new over here. So, once again, I'm, I'm reinventing my life and starting all over again. And, you know, there's something really exciting about that too. And, 
and I guess the um, premise of the the article is really about um, you know letting go, letting go of how you think your life is supposed to be, um, and and being able to embrace you know the possibilities that wait for you. I think a lot of times though we want we want to know everything. We want to know exactly what we're going to do next, and mm-hmm. um, you know, like do this, this, and this, and you will get to this point. And uh, you know, the, yeah, there's there's ingredients in a cake, but it all it doesn't always come out the same, does it? No, you know that's right. And you know, we do. We, I mean, it's just part of our human nature to want it to be somewhere that's safe and secure. Um, you know, but I say if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. you know there's something and and, you know there's plenty to say about you know the challenges in life you know what do they say that um you know rough seas make better sailors i mean that's how we grow that's how we learn that's how we experience life and 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 build self-awareness so what's next where are you where are you going next in your life i'd love to to see uh some of the things that you're doing out there i want to know you know if somebody's listening right now possibly where they might even be able to see you well, I've you know I do have plans, <laughs> but I don't I, I don't hold on to them too tightly because I know how quickly they can change. So you know I've just got my uh, Australian pilot's license converted to an American license. So as I said, I want to do some flying over here. I have a great little my local airport is Driggs Airport in Idaho. So I want to do some flying there in in this summer. Maybe get my gliding license. Um, I travel a lot because I'm on the speaking circuit. So I'm back to Australia just in two weeks, actually, to launch Defiant over there. And hopefully, I'll be speaking at Oshkosh this year and um, some other aviation events this year. And um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to connecting um, to the you know pilot community um, in the USA and seeing seeing what unfolds. Well, we're excited to have you here, that's for sure. And uh, one of the things that, that is was wonderful in reading this book, Defiant, uh, it's it's really helped me in life. Like I said, you know, when I started uh, before we were talking, I really uh, had to put the book down. Uh, it brought up a lot of emotions in my life, and uh, it was tough to get through. But, uh, you know, I kept going through it and said, hey, listen, I, I can do this. And uh, it was upsetting. Uh, I was, you know, very empathetic. Said, you know, I wish this wasn't happening. And mm-hmm. uh, but with that said, it was wonderful to see where you've come, and also, it's incredible to see who you now are inspiring, and that's many, many people. Well, thank you, Carl. I really appreciate your kind words, and <laughs> I know there were parts of this book that were actually cringe-worthy to write, yes, and a lot of tears, but. Um, you know, I, I think writing is such a wonderful exercise. I think we write, you know, n- not to be uh, understood. We write to understand and to make sense of our own lives. And, of course, each time, you know, I've written many books in Australia and each time I write something, I, I sort of grow a little bit more and, under, you know, learn a little bit more about myself and, and the process of healing. You know, uh, a lot of us here have these challenges and, and disabilities, et cetera. You know, Jessica Cox, uh, you may have heard mm. of her. She, uh, when she was on the show, talked about uh, something that I, I think you agree, we'd agree with also. It's, you know, that n- don't say can't. There, there is no can't. There is only can do. And I think that's really mm. important uh, to move forward in your life. And one of the things that, you know, I, I think is really important is to learn from other people's stories. And that's why, if you're listening, and I'll have a link 
uh, to this. It's Defiant by Janine Shepard. It's you know this, you know a broken body is definitely uh, not a broken person, and uh, that's uh, part of your byline. It's really important if you're having a difficulty time, a difficult time right now in life, or if you're somebody that's uh, has some type of a disability or some other challenge that you're going through. This is something that will definitely inspire you and uh, there's many ways too by the way you can reach out to janine janine is there any other websites that they can find you well obviously there's uh carl is you know my website janine and and you know i'm on facebook and twitter and instagram and um that you know i say they can go and listen to my ted talk and that gives a very brief brief introduction to my story and yeah i'm looking forward to connecting with um, your listeners and um, perhaps even crossing paths with them, um, maybe at a at an air show or somewhere around around the country this year. Well, gosh, Janine, hopefully uh, we'll reach out and maybe we'll see each other at Oshkosh. It's a, such a great show. It's it's absolutely so much uh, fun from what everybody else tells me. I'm the only one on this show that hasn't actually been to that. It's uh, Oh, then you'll have to get there this year. I haven't been yes. there either, so maybe it'll be the first for both of us. First for <laughs> both of us, yes. And and it'd be lovely to meet you. And I uh, and I know our listeners would love to, to meet you. Of course, uh, you can write us at the show at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. And we will definitely forward any questions uh, to Janine. And you can go to her website, and there's links there. We'll have links to also to the book. I think it's an audio book, also correct. Yeah, it is audio, and read by me. Read by you <laughs> with my <That's>, Aussie accent. <laughs> it's a lovely accent too. We, we and, and gosh, I wish we could talk forever. Gosh, and I uh, I'd love to do two or three episodes with you. We could talk so much about so many things in aviation. I'd love to ask you thousands of questions about flying. But uh, just uh, one of the things I'd like to ask you though before we go is. There's people listening right now that are, you know, they're going through a challenge. Uh, they're, they think their situation is the toughest or they're having – it may be something simple. Or maybe they failed a, a written exam or they failed a check ride, yeah. et cetera. Uh, and, or it might be something really difficult that they've lost their medical. What advice would you give them uh, right now as far as their life and what they can do now? Well, you know, I like to say that there's, you know, three things that – that really helped to ground me and and move me forward when I'm going through a really difficult time. And, you know, the first one is just recognizing that you're not alone. And, you know, being able to reach out, make sure you reach out to friends or other people um, that might have been through a similar circumstance. Um, You know, don't sort of sit at home and keep your story to yourself. Make sure you reach out to other people. Uh, The second thing I'd say is that, you know, I have a, a... a ritual that I have every morning where I wake up and I call it giving grace and that's helped me enormously in my recovery which is it doesn't matter what you're going through in life there is always something to be grateful for and if you can spend time focusing on that it really can shift your mindset and the third thing I'd say is it doesn't matter what you're going through just you know think of everything as you know they say how do you how do you eat an elephant you know one bite at a time uh, when I learned to walk, it was just very small steps. So just ask yourself, what's one thing I can do? And just do that one thing. Well, gosh, you know, uh, it's uh, it's been so wonderful having you on, Janine. It's, it's so inspirational. And, uh, you know, you've uh, almost taken the words out of my mouth. As, as everybody knows on this show, I, I like to end uh, with this note, and, and that's this. You know what? Wherever you are in your career and in your life, do something now. 
Do something today. Take one small step to move forward in your life, in your career. And you know, after a few steps, you'll be light years ahead of everybody else. But you'll be moving towards your goal so quickly. And one of the things you could do is pick up a book, listen to a podcast, redefine a broken body is not a broken person. Go to Janine's website, read her stories, listen to her TED Talks. Make sure you do something. It could be something really small. It could be something large. Be grateful for what you have today. And folks, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.